We are in week two of our sermon series called Known, and today we are known by God. I am who God says I am, and I'm living my life on purpose. So here I start today with this question, who are you? Who do people say you are? Who do people say I am? Through my social media, they would say, well, you're a mother and a wife, a pastor, a quilter, a crafter, a would-be artist, a daughter, a sister, a cousin, a friend, and the list can go on. See, who am I? If I was to ask myself that question, I wear many hats, and I'm sure you do as well today. But often when we're asked that question, we'll answer it about the job that we do or the roles that we play. But I'm asking you today to think about who are you really? Pascal said, there is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of each man which cannot be satisfied by any created thing, but only by God the creator made known through Jesus Christ. And so here we are in the second Sunday of our series, Known. Jesus today in our passage of scripture from Matthew 16 verses 13 to 20, he removes his disciples to an obscure place to ask them two important questions. The questions were asked in the backdrop of Caesarea Philippi. This is where if you looked over to the hills, there were Syrian temples uh, built to the god Baal. There was the famous cave that people would go to worship the god of nature, Pan. And up on the hill behind where Jesus probably stood to speak was this white glistening Roman temple built to Caesar. And it's against this backdrop of all these other religions that Jesus, this penniless uh, Galilean carpenter with his 12 ordinary men, he asked them this important question. Who do people say that I am? The disciples responded, well, some say that you're John the Baptist, and some say you're Elijah, and some say you're Jeremiah or another one of the prophets. See, many Jews in Jesus' day believed that God would send an anointed king, that's what Messiah means, who would be the spearhead of this new movement that God was wanting to do, where he would free Israel from the tyranny and the oppression of Rome and bring justice and peace at last. There were many theories that people had for this Messiah. There were many agendas that people had, and you can see that Jesus dealt with that on his earthly ministry. Is Jesus just a herald to the Messiah that they're waiting for, or is he truly the Messiah? Well, the Jews concluded that Jesus was a good man who stood up and spoke up for God like the prophets did in the past. He was just God's mouthpiece. Jesus knew now as he's walking and thinking of Jerusalem and his own death, his time on earth is very short. Did his disciples understand who he was? Would they carry on his work after he was gone? And so Jesus asked the more important question. He said to them, but what about you? Who do you say I am? Well, in verse 16, we know that Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. See, Peter came into his own recognition 
and then confession of who Jesus was. See, secondhand knowledge is never sufficient when it comes to faith. It's not knowing about Jesus. Many people know about Jesus. It is knowing him personally. See, Jesus must be known. Can you say today that you truly know him? This is only possible, as Jesus says to Peter, because of God giving that a gift. It is the power of the Holy Spirit that helps us to realize and confess who Jesus is. I love this poem. Who do you say I am? Who do they say I am, Jesus asked one day. He knew his friends' hearts and minds and even what they'd say. Some say you're John the Baptist who told us to repent. Some say you're Elijah that God graciously has sent. Perhaps even a prophet because you speak God's word with such authority that people realize what they've heard. Jesus looked right at them before he asked again, who do you say I am? He wanted to make it plain. It's not what others say of me that matters in the end. It's how well we see and know him. On this we must depend. Is he to you the son of God who died to save your soul? Or just a good man in history who was acting out a role? Is he the healer and lover of mankind? Or do you doubt the miracles and healing of the blind? Is he the one you'd all follow and obey until the end? Or do you like your own way and Jesus if he'll bend? Who do you say I am? He asks us to respond. We need to understand God's word if we really want to bond. Peter gave an answer that was truly God-inspired. You are the Christ, the Son of God, and that's all that is required. This was written by Carol Ann Wickens. So we know that Peter now knows who Jesus is. But what's beautiful is Jesus knows Peter and knows who he is. He gives Peter a new name and a new purpose, and this is Peter's God-given destiny. And the truth today is you have also a God-given destiny, a purpose to fulfill. See, he changes the name and is underlying this transformation that's been happening in Peter's life, who hears the word of God and is transformed now into the spiritual being, into the spiritual rock. Jesus has the same reason why God had renamed Abraham to Abraham or Sarai to Sarah. And he says in verse 18, and I tell you that you are Peter, Simon. Peter means a rock, a stone. To call someone a rock was quite a compliment for God is also known as our rock. You know the great hymn, Rock of Ages. Peter's declaration, you are the Christ, is the foundation that God will now build his church upon. See, Peter, you are the beginning of the new thing that God is wanting to do, the new thing that God is building his people, a new fellowship of believers in my name known as the church. The church is not a building, it's the people. Others, Peter, will come to know me and declare the same statement that you are indeed the Christ, the Son of God. So, Peter, you are the first stone of the fellowship of believers of Jesus Christ. 
Peter's declaration and discovery of the truth would be what God would build his new church upon. And Jesus, we know, is the chief and cornerstone, we're told, that holds the whole community of faith together. But Peter would be the first stone of many placed together to build the church. Peter himself even discussed that in his letter in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. Listen to what Peter had to say. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also are like stones being built into the spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So Peter, here's a new name. You're the rock. Peter, here's your new purpose and calling. Verse 19, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. See, keys were given to the stewards who would go and open the doors in the morning and close them at night. It was how visitors would have access to royalty. So Peter would be the steward now of the kingdom of God, and he would open the door, open the way that people now would have access to the king, Jesus. And when we turn to the book of Acts, we can see Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, is fulfilling this purpose and call that God had for Peter's life. And 3,000 were added to the church in one day. We know later with Cornelius and, and even others, Jews and Gentiles alike will be brought into God's kingdom. And Peter was pointing and opening the way. The truth today is we all have been given, if we are in Christ, the keys to God's kingdom. And it's all of our calling to open the door that others also may come in and know that Christ is indeed their king as well. But Jesus also said to Peter in verse 19, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. See, Peter is given this power to bind and to loose, which was the power given to wise teachers and rabbis. To bind was to declare something forbidden. To loose was to allow something. And so this was now a new responsibility to make important and wise decisions. Peter was to guide and direct this new infant church into the future. I like what Barclay concluded and said about this. So Peter, your new name means rock, and your destiny is to be a rock, and you are the first man to recognize me for what I am, and therefore you are the first stone in the edifice of the fellowship of those who are mine. And in the days to come, you must steward who will unlock the doors of the kingdom that Jew and Gentile may come in. You must be the wise administrator and guide who will solve the problems and direct the work of the infant growing fellowship. Jesus knew Peter. Peter knew Jesus. And Jesus knew Peter and gives him a new name and gives him power and gives him a destiny and a responsibility to fulfill. Oh, my friends today, God knows you as well. 1 Corinthians 3.8 says, whoever loves God is known by God. God is not concerned with what people say. God is not concerned about your social media, how you present yourself on your platform. He's not concerned about the roles and the jobs that you do and the merry, many hats that you wear. He's not concerned about the agendas that other people try to put over your life. 
See, we all have to ask a question, and it's an important question, and even as, us, as a group of pastors recently on a Zoom meeting, we were asking this question. Today, God, who do you say I am? For all those who are in Christ Jesus, you are good, you are righteous, and you are enough because you are covered by the blood of Christ who makes you good, righteous, and enough. You are enough because God has arranged a salvation plan to make you enough. However, why do we as believers still believe the lies or what other people say about us? But now that you know God, and rather now that you are known by God, it is your choice to hear his voice louder than the rest. It is your choice to believe that he has a new name for you because you're being changed and transformed. It's your choice to follow his plans and his ways for you. I like what Christine Kane said. If you do not know what, that you are known by God, you will try to be known by man. So who really defines you? Do you know that God so wants to transform you and your destiny that he wants to rename you? I was thinking, I don't know if you've seen this, but we've seen this on many videos, and I've even seen churches do it in the past, where, where you take what we call them cardboard, cardboard testimonies. Now, a cardboard testimony is you have a song playing, and people will walk across the platform, and they hold up a piece of cardboard, and they stop for a moment in front of everybody, and it usually says something they were before Christ, you know, a, a, a lie, a label that people said to them, a sin, uh, how they were defeated. And then they flip the piece of cardboard over, and they say the truth now. They hear what God says about them and who they are in Christ. I'm a child of God. I'm fearfully wonderful. I'm forgiven. I'm loved. I think if I was to do it today, I would hold up one side before you and say suicidal because I tried to commit, uh, take my life twice as a young person. And then I could flip it over and say that I now live for Christ. You know, we need to hear what, who God says we are. God's voice is louder than the other voices around us, and we need to hear his voice. And I know as a young person I made the mistake that I, if we don't hear his voice and we don't hear who he says we are, we can go looking for love and acceptance in all the wrong places. And oh my goodness how we see that across social media. Why does God love me so much? Somebody said, well, here's the answer. God loves you not because of who you are or what you've done. God loves you because of who he is. When we doubt God's love for us, it's because we're taking our eyes off him and focusing on ourselves, our own insecurities, shortcomings, sins, and insignificance, or I would say people's agendas, lies, and labels that have been placed over us. Just like God had a plan and a purpose for Peter, God has a plan and a purpose for you. You know this passage, Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. What's your purpose? Max Licato said it very succinctly. You and I were made by God to know him and to go and make him known. So as I close this today, I am who God says I am. 
and I'm living his life for me on purpose. I hope you are too. Social media tries to define me and who I am, what's popular and what isn't, what is the latest fad, people's agendas and expectations, trying to impress other people's, thinking and wondering what they think of me, who do people say that I am? Oh, my friends today, we're known by God, and so all of that doesn't really matter or add up to much. What matters today is what God says about you. God, who do you say I am? I believe the Lord would say to us, you're mine. There's a few statements. You can find them around about who God says we are. And I just want to share these few statements. And I pray that they would resonate in your spirit today. We looked at it last week. I'm fearfully made. I'm beautifully, marvelously, carefully, fearfully, and wonderfully made. I am the apple of God's eye. I am loved by God, cherished by God, and highly valued by God. I'm a child of the king. I'm chosen. I'm called to declare God's praises. I am God's own. I am God's beloved. I am known by God. I am a name, not a number. I'm a citizen of heaven. I am redeemed, forgiven, and sanctified. I am a friend of Jesus. I'll end it there, but you can continue on hearing what God has to say about you today because you are known by God and he has a purpose and a plan for your life. God bless you today.